Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Well, if you have your Bible on you tonight, I want you to go ahead and open it up. Uh, We're going to go to Genesis chapter 12. We'll go to Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3 here in just a moment. Genesis chapter 12, and I want to talk to you uh, just for a little bit about getting into God's plan for your life. And here's what I think about God's plan for your life. God's plan for your life is not one simple moment. It's not one simple mission. It is a journey, and it has goals, and it has goodness in the midst of it, but how many know God's plan continues on even after you've hit what you thought would be some of your highest highs and your lowest lows? God still has a plan for your tomorrow. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Uh, I think a lot of times we're looking because we've been trained by movies, and we've been trained by the way novels are written or uh, the way the silver screen does is that, you know, every movie builds to a climax, right? And there's a close and there's a climax and then the movie ends. And that's the end, that's the crescendo. And, and so we start to view our life like that, that our life should build to a certain thing, to a certain point, and then boom, there needs to be a crescendo. And then that is the plan of God. But even after the crescendos, if you're still living, come on, the plan isn't over yet. The purpose still exists. And so, really, the the purpose happens every day. It's not in a moment. I believe it's the day-to-day monotonous life, even at times, that the goodness of God is showing out in our midst. The plan continues on. Now, I think one of the strongest images of the plan of God can be found in the Old Testament with the nation of Israel. God calls Israel as a nation through a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham is the father of faith and the father of the nation of Israel. You'll hear our God referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now I want to show you Abraham's mandate or Abraham's covenant with God. And I'm going to talk about mandate. I'm going to talk about manna. Now I'm going to talk about margin tonight. Three M's that will change your life for the journey. All right. Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3. If you're there tonight, go ahead and say "Uh uh-huh. All right. Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says this. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. One of the first things God says to Abraham is, I want you to get out of where you're from Get out of how you've been trained. Get out of the people that were around you. Get out of what shaped your your worldview and your thought life and your pattern. And I want you to go to a brand new place that I will show you. He goes on and he says, leave your family. You know, we all love our family, but how many of y'all have recognized there's some family that really isn't pushing you forward in life? How many know some family members that would drag you down if you allowed them to? Let me see your hands out there, right? Life isn't really uh, some of the toughest decisions in life. And in leadership, isn't about where you're going in life. The tough decisions are about who you're leaving behind. Can I get an amen? And those are the decisions that are defining moments. It's not not really where we're going, but it's who are we willing to leave behind. 
Because it's not that we don't love everybody and we're not for everybody and we're praying for our family. But, but there's some people you just can't let them shape your space, your world, your spirit. Because how many of you recognize that people, what's on them, if you hang around them long enough, it will get off on you. Can I get an amen, right? You ever been around somebody that their faith is contagious? You get around them, they're positive. They got a, a, a faith about them. They're believing for something better. And when you're around them, you want to be better. You want to uh, live bigger. You want to walk more like Jesus. It gets on you. And, and that positive influence rubs off on our lives. Now, how many of y'all have ever been around somebody that it was obvious their negative attitude got off on your life? Let me, let, let me see you out there, right? Uh, how many of you notice how fast a teenager, that their, their uh, attitude who they are and what they're doing, how fast that thing can be turned by what other kid they're hanging out with, right? Man, my mother knew this big time. And uh, I remember growing up as a kid, there was a neighbor. I lived out in the country, and it was back whenever children played by themselves all day long and never really got in bad trouble. I'd get up in the morning, the sun would come up, I would leave on a bike, a pony, a horse, a something, and I would ride like a 30-mile radius by myself all day long until I came home when the sun went down. Let, let me see if you, if you grew up like that out there. You just kind of roamed around the world. I roamed. Now I won't let my children go to the corner without watching them out the window, right? And I, I don't know if it's good or bad, but culture's changed. And I remember there was a kid that lived across a couple of fields from me. I'd ride my bike through fields to go play with this kid. And uh, this one kid over there, I promise you, he was the spawn of Beelzebub. He was the devil incarnate, right? And uh, he had a leadership quality about him too. And he could get other kids to just do anything uh, in the world. And I was kind of always up for whatever we were going to do. So I was a willing partner, right? But, but if somebody wanted to do something good, I could get into that. If somebody wanted to do something bad, I could get into that. I was that kind of kid. And if I got with this kid, nothing good was ever going to happen, right? There's just some people you shouldn't ride to the convenience store with. Can I get an amen? There's some people you don't need to go to the restaurant on Friday night alone with. Can I get an amen, right? And you know it. You know how it ends, right? Before you get in that car and you make the decision to go with them, you can tell yourself whatever you want to tell yourself, but you know how it's going to end. And so my mother's like, hey, I don't want that kid around. And I'm like, why do you not want that kid around? She would say, because that kid doesn't want to look me in the eye, doesn't want to be here when I'm here, doesn't want to be in my presence. And I can tell if they don't want to come through me, the authority in your life, that they're up to no good. Isn't that a great reminder to all of us that are parents? Come on. If those kids don't want to be around us, they don't need to be around our children. Come on. Somebody give God a hand clap if you believe that. So mom helped me cut those kids out of my life, and I got myself in my fair share of trouble. They all went to the penitentiary, all those kids that I ran with, all of them went to the pen for, for manufacturing methamphetamine, almost all of them. And uh, now I got in trouble, but God rescued me, but I didn't go as far as they could just because I didn't stay with that same exact pack. My pack was wild as, as buck deers, but this pack was just even one step removed. All right, here's, here's what God tells Abram. He says this, he says, you need to get out of your family you need to get away from the people that are holding you down. You need to get away from the small thinking. You need to get away from your relatives. Abram's relatives were worshiped pagan idols and, and followed after false gods. And he says, it's time for you to cut, cut it out. And he said, I want you to go somewhere else. And Abram's like, where should I go? Right? This is the big question when you got to leave somebody behind. What am I going to do now? Who do I pal with now? 
Uh, who will I confide in now? Who will I hang out with on Friday? Who am I going to fish with on Saturday? Who am I going to go out? You know, what, what am I going to do now? And God just gives him uh, uh, this answer. He says, you'll go to a land where I'll show you. He says, I'll show you. Come on, somebody say, God will show me. Let's say it again, God will show me. Let's say it one more time, God will show me. How many of y'all believe that God will show us if we'll trust him and do the last thing he said, he'll be good to show us the next step in life. He is that kind of God. He is a good God. And he'll show you. Trust him today and he'll show you tomorrow what you need to know. It's one step at a time. And so he goes on and he says, I'm gonna show you a land uh, and I'm gonna give you a land. He gives him a promise. He says, there's a land I'm gonna take you to and I'm gonna give you this land whenever you get there. This is the mandate on the nation of Israel and the mandate on Abram's life. If you look back down at your text, he says, uh, you'll go to a land that I'll show you. And he tells him there, I will make you a great nation. Think about how great a nation God made out of Abraham. We still know about that nation, hear about that nation daily. As a matter of fact, the nation that God made Abraham into is the nation of Israel. It is the only nation recorded on the earth that was scattered and stripped down to nothing and was gone from its motherland from hundreds, thousands of years. And then God reassembled them as a nation with one group of people and one governing authority. It's never happened before. It'll never happen again because it's supernatural. That's the power of the mandate of God in a people's lives, in a nation. And a mandate can be that strong in your life. It gets supernatural power flowing. Come on, somebody, let's give God a hand clap for the power of a mandate on a life, right? It's amazing. And it's amazing how uh, the nations still rage against Israel. It's amazing how the media hates the nation of Israel. It's amazing how those who will align with the false worldview and really an antichrist type of thinking hate the nation of Israel. It's all the mandate of God and, and it's got this supernatural fight against it. But, but I'm telling you, it's supernatural. You're looking at the power of the mandate. And I'll tell you, the mandate on our life as a church and the mandate on our life as the people of God is that we're called to live in the blessing of God, go to a land that he'll show us, and he's gonna make us a great nation, and he does that by sharing the gospel through our life with every person we come in contact with. Come on, the mandate over our life is to be Jesus' people on the earth and to change the world we live in. That's a mandate. And so I really think as you live, you gotta figure out what, what's the mandate on my life, right? And a mandate is this. A mandate is uh, not what I want to do. A mandate isn't what I would like to do, right? A mandate isn't what I might do in the future. A mandate is what I must do. And there's a difference, isn't there? Than the things I would like to do and the things I'm thinking about doing, the things that, eh, maybe that'd be cool if I do that. But then there are some things God puts in your life, and this is what I must do. Just say this out loud. Say, a mandate is what I must do. Come on, say it again. A mandate is what I must do. And I think we, we, we start doing uh, what we're supposed to do as Christians, and that mandate on our life personally, it all fits into the, the model of the church as a whole, Right, All of us, we don't exist as Christians outside of the model of the church. We bring something new to the model of the church. Be it thoughts, be it gifts, be it talents, be it perspective. We have something we bring to the table. And then there's a mandate on our life to what part of the body of Christ 
are we? What's our specific call? Who are we in the community of believers? And you got to find um, and look to and be open to that mandate. And then the mandate's what I must do. Like, like the mandate that's on my life, uh, for me personally, I'll just kind of give you an example. The mandate that I have is that I was called by God. God spoke to me and said, build me a church, build me a church, build me a church. You know, I didn't know exactly what that meant whenever he said it. I just knew that I was going to be a, a, a church planter in the future. And since then, God's given me a wider mandate, and that mandate is to plant campuses all around America. I can really think of about three mandates, uh, real strong, just do this direction God's given me in my life that I knew I had to do and I'm supposed to do it. Uh, one of the third things that, that isn't directly me, it's assistance, Jesse and I do in life, and that is with Life Impact International and fighting against uh, the sex slave trade in Southeast Asia. God spoke to us on, on the same day about 11 years ago and told us of Lana Vasquez, the leader of uh, Life Impact International, said these words to us, go help that girl. And so that was a mandate. It wasn't something that, that I had a choice. He told me what to do. So I've been walking with Jesus 20 years. There's really three things I, I, can, I can point back to him without a shadow of a doubt. That was a big mandate over my life, and those are things that are non-negotiables, right? I don't wake up every morning with a new mandate from God. Come on, somebody. You ever meet people, God gives them a new vision every two years? God calls them to another church every 35 minutes. Every sermon series they disagree with, well, God's leading me somewhere else. No, God hasn't led you anywhere in years. You're fickle, hard-hearted. You always resist the Spirit of God, and you'll reap what you sow in the future. My Lord, it's Wednesday night in here, isn't it? I'm just saying, because God didn't change his mind. God's not a man that he changes his mind. Come on, somebody. The real people they, they get, that have mandates and understand God, they get down in it, and they stay with it, and they put their hand to the plow, and they don't look back, and they realize what they must do. How many of y'all want to live your life, and you want to fulfill what you must do? Man, I want to fulfill the mandate of God that's on my life. And uh, I would rather do that than be comfortable. I would rather do that than have what I want or I desire or have some form of the American dream. I want the mandate fulfilled before I go to my father's. So there's nothing more sad than watching somebody that lived their life and never touched the heart of God or what they were designed for. Come on, that's not gonna be us. We're gonna be somebody else. Somebody give God a hand clap. Let's take this back positive now. Amen. We're gonna get the mandate of God fulfilled on our life. See, a mandate's a consistent thing you're committed to over a long period of time. Let's say this out loud. Somebody say, I'm committed. Say, I'm consistent. Somebody say this, I'm not a flake. God's using me in Jesus' mighty name. See, Abraham figured out what the mandate was. And he wasn't even... Um, he really wasn't even a perfect man. If you study his life, it starts right here. This is the Abrahamic covenant. He makes some big boo-boos along the way, all right? And at the end of the day, God, God speaks about him. Book of Hebrews puts him in the faith hall of fame and says that Abraham was a man that was blameless before me. It's amazing. Abraham makes some unbelievable blunders. God looks at Abraham. Hebrews 11, after the end of his life, and says Abraham was blameless. We're talking about a guy that if you read his story, when you look at it from a human perspective, Abraham was anything but blameless. 
But God looked at him and said, I see his faith in his heart to please me. So I called him a friend because he went after the mandate. So here's some things I think we get that help us fulfill the mandate. All right, uh, the nation of Israel later on, they find themselves in bondage, the children of Abraham. They're living in a land called Egypt. And they come out of that bondage and they're going across the desert. There's nothing to eat and they're fulfilling the mandate. They're going to the land God promised their, their forefather, Abraham. And so God begins to supernaturally provide. I believe as you walk towards the mandate God puts on your life, supernatural provision starts to flow into your life. As you walk towards the mandate God puts on your life, supernatural provision starts to flow into your life. See, whenever the children of Israel are out in the desert, God begins to give them manna from heaven. So number one, there's mandate. Number two, there's manna. Come on, everybody say manna. Manna starts to fall from heaven. These people don't, don't have everything they need. They, they've left a land where they were abused, but they did get some vegetables in that land, so they were used to eating something. They get out in the wilderness, they're complaining, we don't even have, we didn't even have the food we had back in Egypt. And that's the way people are, they look backwards instead of forward, and the, the leader Moses is like, wait a minute, you were getting beat by taskmasters in Egypt, are you kidding me? And so God makes a way supernaturally, manna starts falling from heaven. And the word manna literally means, what is it? Children of Israel picked it up, didn't know what it was. What is it? It's kind of like eating at a lot of fast food restaurants. Kind of like, what is this mystery meat? I just ate some things in Honduras that I could have called manna. I was looking at it. I'm like, this is the mystery meat. It's kind of beef-like. It's, like it's like a cat, chicken, dog or something. I don't know what this is. But I'm hungry enough. I'm going to eat it. What is it? It's manna. And uh, they, they picked it up and they, they ate it anyway. Eating some stranger things in, in other countries than you get down there. Uh, but, but so they have this supernatural provision. I'm telling you, if you want to tap into the provision of God, get serious about the mandate God has for your life. Let me say it again. If you want to tap into the provision of God, get serious about the mandate God has for your life. Let me say that again. If you want to, if you want to see the supernatural provision of God, Get serious about the mandate that God has on your life. Um, there'll be people that'll say, you know, they're believing God for blessing and believing God for resources. And it's kind of like, well, what would you do with that blessing? Or what would you do with those resources, right? Why don't we give God a reason with our heart and our momentum and the way we lean in our life? Give him a reason to see, well, there's somebody I should bless with supernatural resources because they already want to see my mandate fulfilled in the earth. Now, I believe if God can find somebody that says, hey, here I am, use me, Lord. I want to be the guy that pays for the churches and sets up the orphanages, and I want to be the guy that, that sends the young preachers off to be trained. I want to be the guy that pays for that or the lady that takes care of that. If they get close enough to the mandate of God, I believe then they get close to the mission of God, and the manna of God can start flowing out into your life. See, manna comes when the mandate's being pushed into. There wasn't manna in Egypt because Israel wasn't walking towards the promised land yet. And it's kind of like this. I think you start a forward momentum, God sees your faith in it, and then he provides. And really it's like this. Faith happens when feet start walking. That's where faith is. Faith isn't just in words. I, I know we speak faith words, but come on, then our action has to line up with what we're saying and believing. Can I get an amen? Faith people move. They go somewhere. I love this old, uh, this is a proverb the Jews used to say. They would talk about the Jews had to come and worship in Israel. 
They were really supposed to go up to, to Jerusalem from all over Israel. They were supposed to go to Jerusalem three times a year. In the, in the Old Testament, it says, let every man come up three times a year and let him not come empty-handed. You went up to the temple three times a year and you brought a financial gift when you went, right? Because it was a part of worship. And so they called that a pilgrimage. They would take a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And if you read out later, you know, there, there's things written, uh, uh, even English literature, written about people taking pilgrimages to the, to the Holy Land. And here, this became a famous proverb, was that a pilgrim prays with his feet. All right? A pilgrim prays with his feet. And they would say whenever that pilgrim takes off walking by faith towards Jerusalem, it's like a prayer that goes up before God because they're believing God and they're trusting with their action, with their life, with everything they're doing. They're leaned in. God sees somebody that starts to walk by faith and move by faith. He sees the faith in your action. And then I believe manna comes to your life. And then, and then that manna is there. So I believe this. I say, I, I say that mandate keeps me moving. All right, mandate keeps me moving. God's manna keeps me fed. So you need that strong mandate. You need to find it. And there are times in life you get something done, and I think you need to find another strong mandate, right? Don't just, don't just exist. Get that chapter done. What's the next chapter, right? The next mandate. And it's not every 10 minutes, but I think there could be a, a few of those in life, big things. And so whenever the mandate starts, then the manna flows. Manna keeps you fed. See, uh, uh, getting a vision to come to pass in your life isn't momentarily. It, it's, it's a long process. Come on, we're not in the Christian faith for the short game. How many are in this for the long haul? You're committed to this thing. We're playing the long game here. Can I get an amen, right? It's what Christianity is for me. I'm gonna be placed in my, I'm gonna be placed in my grave a believer in Jesus. That's how I want it, that's how I want it to end. And there's a guy that did, did everything he could do short of sin to win the world for Jesus, right? And uh, so, so I think the long game, you gotta realize you're in a long game. God gave the nation of Israel another principle. So we got mandate that pushes you forward, manna keeps you fed, and the last thing is the principle of margin. Everybody say margin. All right, let's say it one more time, margin. God showed the nation of Israel this. Okay, you're gonna go to a land that I'm gonna show you. And uh, I'm probably preaching to myself now. But he, he said, just like in the book of Genesis, I work six days, and on the seventh day, I, I rested, right? God works six days, and on the seventh day, he rests. Can I get an amen? A lot of America, I, I've heard this taught for years, and I've taught it here. Uh, really, Pastor Willie George out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, taught me this, and it was eye-opening. And, and it was that America, uh, Americans are typically busted or broke, right? Spend like 105, 110% of what they make every year because we are on a five-day work system. And that is a recent invention, right? In just the last 100 years, the five-day work system, right? Before that, a 40-hour, five-day work system. All right, God himself in the book of Genesis worked how many days, church? Six days. Now, I kind of believe life's like this. The five days will get you even, right? Just enough to survive. And the six-day pushes you forward in life. And it's that six-day of labor is where the blessing and the prosperity really is in life. And so we all kind of think, and now the, the, the work week's even getting uh, trimmed back, right? 40 hours to, to uh, certain age groups is like, oh my Lord, what are we working in a chain gang? Now I'm like, 40 hours, we called that Monday and Tuesday on the farm, right? Maybe half a Wednesday, maybe. 
And, uh, and, and so as we do that, GDP goes down, right? All those things go down as a nation, as a culture. Debt goes up, problems happen. It's because there's, there's uh, five days and not six days. So there's six days. And I'll say this, working six days doesn't mean you work from three in the morning till midnight every day. It just means you're doing something to push life forward six days a week, right? Doing something to push life forward six days a week. But then he goes on and he says, on the seventh day, you have to rest. And this was such a big deal for the nation of Israel. It was called the Sabbath, and it's a holy day. And if you're around the nation of Israel still to this day, on the Sabbath, a Sabbath runs from sundown to sundown. And you start watching, like even if you're in a hotel, you'll go to an elevator on one day, you can push any button on the elevator, right? You go to your floor, and when the Sabbath rolls around, those elevators go on Sabbath mode. And what Sabbath mode means is that elevator opens up on every floor. So if you're on floor 35, you're just riding it and stopping on every floor. Why? Because to the Jew, it would be to work on the Sabbath, to push that button to the super Orthodox Jew. And they say, hey, we're going to honor this day. We're going to keep it holy. Uh, there'll be no food prep. The food prep's done before the Sabbath. There'll be uh, no traveling. Some rabbis would permit you to travel on water and boat if you were not rowing on the Sabbath. You could not travel any other way. And so people would take that law. You could travel on water. There were guys that would try to get around it in Manhattan and New York City. They would take a bottle of water and put it under their seat in their car. And now when they're driving, they're traveling on water and they're fulfilling the law. Don't we have all kinds of stupid human tricks we try to pull off, right? Uh, now we're traveling. And, 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 but the whole idea was Sabbath will keep you sane. And God gave the Jews a law. You can cultivate the land for six years, but on the seventh year, you must let it rest, give it a Sabbath, so the land could replenish itself. Why? Because God knew if you keep working something and you don't ever let it rest, you begin to kill it. So here, here's the, the lesson for us. I think manna, manna takes us, uh, uh, keeps us moving, or excuse me, uh, uh, mandate keeps us moving, manna keeps us fed, and margin keeps us alive. Can I get an amen? Right? Having something less, working hard, but then having something left for you. It's like if you take a piece of paper and you write from edge to edge to edge, top to bottom, that paper just looks like a piece of mess. Why? Because there's no margin left. So there's a lesson to some people about working more, and that's a great lesson. There's a lesson to other personalities about, hey, you're going to have to have margin. You're going to have to have a Sabbath. Now, I believe if we'll follow the mandate, the manna will begin to flow. And then if we honor God with the margin, we'll see everything he's promised us come to pass in our life. God's systems always work. This is his system. It's mandate. It's supernatural provision, manna, and then it's margin so you can enjoy your life. Come on, let's give God a hand clap. He always has a good system, right? For our lives to go forward and upward and onward. Would you stand up on your feet? I am out of time tonight. Come on. Let's stand up on our feet. Let's give God one more big hand clap. Let, let's celebrate tonight. Give him one more big hand clap. Amen. I want, uh, I want you to pray with, I want us to pray together as a church body tonight, okay? I want us to pray together for a moment. Uh, we got some, some great opportunities coming up right now. So, you know, we've just become one church, two locations. Coming up uh, the second I think it's like the 15th or 17th of September. We're going to launch a third campus in Henderson, Kentucky. Come on, somebody give God a hand clap for that. It's powerful. 
I want you to pray for that. Then we're looking, I uh, had a meeting yesterday about a potential fourth campus, was with a pastor in a church that, that wants to be a part of his church. And we're, we're working out the details. I think everybody feels like it's right. We're working out the details. There'll be more coming about that in the future. And we've got other plans coming up, some of the communities uh, close to here and some more communities in Texas very quickly where, where we feel like, man, this is a mandate that, that's on our lives. We're going we're gonna to do something to reach America. Now, I watched, um, I watched a vision that the church I'm ordained out of and now the uh, part of his church, right, the Amarillo campus, it had for 25 years, I watched it come to pass and close this last, last week. Now I saw it close and I felt very strongly that the Spirit of God spoke to me and said one chapter's closed and another chapter's opening up with great power. And that God was going to enable us and give us supernatural wisdom to fulfill something in our generation that the next group of people that lead will stand on our shoulders and say, look, there was a job well done. But it's going to take us recognizing mandate. It's going to take supernatural provision and everybody doing their part. Can I get an Amen. One heart, one spirit, one, one, one idea. It's going to take that. And then it's going to take just honoring God's laws in general, including margin. I want us to pray that God would give us all a fresh strength and God would bless the work of our hands. we got Easter coming up here. What a great time to onboard new people for the church. we got, we got great opportunities coming up. We need leaders unlike we've ever needed them before. And I believe there's just spaces and graces that are opening up for people to step up and lead at another level. I want you to pray with us that God would, man, begin to move in our church supernaturally. He already is, but help help us in all of these endeavors. Come on, let's begin to pray that we're going to a land. God's going to show us it's going to be a land called the best. It's going to flow with milk and honey. Father, we, we pray right now. We, we pray right now in the name of Jesus as a church. Lord, we pray for this church. Come on, if, you live, if you're comfortable with it, lift a hand to heaven. Just begin to honor God right now. If you pray in the Spirit, you might want to pray in the Spirit. Come on, it's, a, it's Wednesday night. Father, we gather together and we thank you. Father, that you're the God of mandate. You're the God of manna. You're the God of margin. You're the God that called us all as a people. You're the God that can lead us to a land called the best. You're the God that took Abraham, one man, and you made him a mighty nation. And if you did it for Abraham, you're no respecter of mankind. You can do it again. You can do something mighty in all of our lives. We can leave a heritage. We can leave a mark. We can make a difference in the world. Not be a group of people that live for ourselves, but live for Jesus. So, Lord, we declare that we live for the call and the mandate of God. Make us people of supernatural mandate. I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, show us what we must do in life. Don't let life just happen to us. Help us happen to life. Father, I bless all these people. And I pray that mandate would come to them. For those of them that are leaned in, I thank you that the man is falling. Lord, I declare supernatural provision, supernatural provision, supernatural provision over their life. Lord, Lord, open up doors for them no man can shut. Give money where they need it. Lord, help them with favor with people, ideas uh, in the workplace. I pray for manna. Let it fall and let it flow. And now I pray for a wisdom to come to us, for margin from the Word of God. Lord, that we would manage what you give us well. Lord, make us stewards over our life, over our time over our energy, over our, over our money, just over everything. Make us wise stewards. Help us operate in margin, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Let us not be governed by what America, the culture, the flow, the push, the tide. Lord, I declare we're not governed by all that. That's not, that's not who we are. The prince of the air doesn't lead us in life. 
We declare that you, the Prince of Peace, leads us and shows us what to do. Lord, I bless these, your people. I thank you for them tonight. And I thank you that you're going to take them to a place called the best. In the mighty, matchless name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the church said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give Jesus one more hand clap tonight. We love you. Why don't you turn to somebody, tell them you're going to a place called the best. Give them a high five. Come on, we'll see you Sunday morning. Stay out of trouble out there.